0: Hey, it's Danielle. Would you like a $50 Amazon gift card? Here is how you enter a chance to win. Right now, Failing Motherhood is turning four years old and it's almost Mother's Day. So we're doing an annual drive for ratings and reviews, which are huge for search rankings, for potential listeners to find us and for them to size up the quality of the podcast. So if you have been enjoying Failing Motherhood, whether this is your first few times listening or you've been here the whole time, I'm offering extra incentive to put in a quick two to three sentence review inside Apple. When you leave yours, screenshot it and then send it to me over Instagram DM or email. And I am going to give one listener that leaves a review a $50 Amazon gift card on Mother's Day. We have some really exciting failing fatherhood episodes coming up. So please follow the podcast if you haven't yet and leave that rating or review so that more moms and more parents know they are not alone if they feel like they're failing their child on a daily basis. We need each other and I'm so grateful you are here.
1: In when you when I sit down in therapy and like I talk to my therapist and like this is the plan, okay, you're gonna you're gonna do this and this and this step one, two, three, four, five. I'm like ah, oh, I can manage that. And then when you actually get to doing these things, actually getting into those conversations with people, you realize how difficult it is. And I think that I was grounded in the fact that I was being a mother meant so much to me. I I feel like a broken record, but being a mother was so important to me. Being a good mother. A good mother to my children meant so much to me that I overcame.
0: Ever feel like you suck at this job? Motherhood, I mean. Have too much anxiety and not enough patience. Too much yelling, not enough play. There's no manual, no village, no guarantees. The stakes are high. We want so badly to get it right. But this is survival mode. We're just trying to make it to bedtime. So if you're full of mom guilt, your temper scares you, you feel like you're screwing everything up, and you're afraid to admit any of those things out loud, this podcast is for you. This is Failing Motherhood. I'm Danielle Batman, and each week we'll chat with a mom ready to be real, sharing her insecurities, her fears, her failures, and her wins. We do not have it all figured out, that's not the goal. The goal is to remind you, you are the mom your kids need. They need what you have, you are good enough, and you're not alone. I hope you pop in earbuds, somehow sneak away, and get ready to hear some hope from the trenches. You belong here, friend. We're so glad you're here. Hey, it's Danielle. My guest today, Amelia, was told not to. To become a mother, becoming a mother was the thing that she had always wanted. But after receiving a diagnosis of PTSD and bipolar, a practitioner recommended she not have kids because she wouldn't be able to care for them adequately. Luckily, Amelia said, "Challenge accepted," and went on to do the work of healing and growing and creating a plan and structure of support surrounding her so she could and would have two beautiful daughters. She's so passionate about sharing the insight and hope with other parents who struggle with mental illness. So Amelia Zachary is the author of Enough, a memoir of mistakes, mania, and motherhood. She was born and raised in Malaysia, obtained a bachelor of commerce, majoring in marketing in Australia, and then she met her husband and moved to live with him in Japan and then Canada In Canada. She obtained a bachelor's in human ecology with a concentration in family studies, and then she began writing her debut memoir after finding her voice, shedding silence and fear. It reveals secrets of sexual assault and subsequently a bipolar disorder diagnosis. And in the book, she shares how she regains her power in healing and motherhood. She also enjoys hiking with her husband, houseplants and now currently resides in Kentucky. But in this episode, there were several times that she shared something and it made me stop in my tracks, speechless. Like, mind blown, I'm gonna need to hear that again and process it later. She shared an up-close and personal look at the journey she's undergone to meet her own needs without shame or guilt or fear, so that she can not only meet her kids' needs, but listen to them, learn from them, and enjoy motherhood. At the end of the episode, she speaks with so much heart to other moms struggling with mental illness. And if that's you, promise me, you'll stick around to hear it. You're not gonna look at some of the same things in the same way again after hearing her. And after hearing about a local mom this past week that ended her battle with depression, leaving two young boys, it hits too close to home, And I'm reminded with even more fresh tenacity that this podcast and the stories shared here have the potential to save lives and kids' experiences of their childhood with their parents. Every child deserves to have their parents around. So I never really bring it up, but it's really on my heart today to ask you. If you are enjoying failing motherhood, if you feel like your motherhood experience has directly benefited from some of the stories that my guests here have shared, I'm going to encourage you to funnel that gratitude today into helping more moms know they are not alone if they feel like they're failing motherhood on a daily basis by one of these three things. Number one, sharing the podcast with a friend or on social media. You never know who's struggling silently and really needs a life preserver today. Number two, clicking the support the show link that's in the show notes of every episode and making a super small monthly contribution to the production costs. Or number three, leaving a rating or review on Apple podcasts. It makes a huge difference in the podcast showing up in search results, which I know is how many of you have stumbled upon it in the first place. And I'm so grateful you're here. And I can't wait to share so many more episodes here with you. Now, without further ado, here is my conversation with Amelia. Welcome to Failing Motherhood. My name is Danielle Bettman. And on today's episode, I'm super excited to have Amelia Zachary
1: here. Hi, Amelia. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Yes, I'm so grateful for your time.
0: Thank you for joining me. I love the internet and the ways that we can just like, you know, find each other and connect with each other's world. Cause I knew right off the bat, even just hearing the name of your book, I was like, Ooh, I need her. (laughs) She is my people. (laughs) Um, so I want to dive into like your whole backstory, but I have to pre-qualify, as I do with every guest. Have you ever felt like you were failing motherhood?
1: Yes. And no, all the time. Sometimes, um, I think like The early, early stages of motherhood was harder for me. I think I, I struggle with mental illness. I struggle with bipolar disorder. And so that sometimes keys into the idea of me being a failing mother and not being able to manage. And
0: that's, I feel like what we're going to dive into today. So any listeners that struggle with their mental health at all, have a diagnosis or don't, you're going to find Yourself in Amelia's story. And I hope you find lots of encouragement from what she has to share from the transparency that she has in her journey and the way that she has reflected on it so powerfully. So uh, go ahead and just give us like the backstory. Who were you before motherhood? Like what shaped the you that became a mother?
1: I will say I've always been, I've always wanted to be a mother. I've always wanted to have children of my own. I always dreamed of a big family. And um, soon after my diagnosis with bipolar disorder, I was told by a therapist that I could not be a mother, that I should not be a mother because of my diagnosis. And so as bizarre as that sounds, I think that's like common, that's more common than we think that this sort of advice is given out. But I, I prepared myself. I got my treatment into gear. And I decided that this was something I was going to do. And I learned very quickly how to manage my, not very quickly. I, I learned through my process and the healing treatment and healing journey that a life as a mother was possible if I could get my bipolar in check. And that's what I did and prepared myself. So I was, I don't think there, were, there is another mother who wanted motherhood as much as I did. And I worked really hard. I worked really hard at Recovering myself so that I could be that person and defy the odds that were given to me, so you took it kind of like a challenge accepted yes <laughs> I love that <laughs> she said she, she said no I said watch me
0: yes already I love that so much <laughs> that is like completely destined to uh, to your trajectory of, of being becoming the mother that you know your kids needed just by that determination alone give a quick picture into what was some of that healing?
1: So I had to, I had to get a treatment plan in place, which meant like an emergency, an emergency plan. If like I were to have a bad episode of depression or had a bad episode of hypomania, what would that look like? Hospitalization or the support systems that I needed. So I had to get all those things in gear. And then my treatment plan itself I like to say this, mental health, we talk about mental health all the time, right? People talk about it all the time. They talk about it in terms of bubble baths and yoga and walks in the park and breathing and all these things, mindful exercises. But we don't talk about what it looks like, what self-care looks like for someone who has a mental illness. And that's something that I'm very passionate about. And it treatment plan, getting the support system for my emergency plan in place, having a treatment plan of therapy, talk therapy, and drug therapy. Then I had self-care, things that I needed to do, things like yoga and walking and um, bubble baths or like taking time for myself, things like that, resting. And then I also had to build social networks, things, support systems, people around me who were, were able to support me in times that I needed it. And so I kind of built this foolproof plan, structure, scaffolding for me in order to have the, best chances at success. Okay. And so I think, I think I've think i done that pretty well. And I'm, I'm happy with where I am now. So I would say that that scaffolding has helped me up through the years. So did you ever
0: struggle with the idea of asking for help or needing help or have guilt or shame be a part of your journey of building that?
1: Absolutely. I think seeking help is the hardest thing that we can do. And given the stigma around mental illness, it becomes even harder to reach out and say that I have a condition and this is the kind of support that I need. But I think being a mother kind of pulled me into that because it was something that was a necessity that I, need to, I needed to do it to ensure that my children were safe, my children were healthy, and my children were happy. For that to happen, I needed to be, I needed to be well, and so. I reached out i I kind of just went and dropped the shame and the fear and the guilt, and said that this is what i I need to do, and so I'm going to do it,
0: good for you, yeah, and that's the best thing you could have done in that in that circumstance, but it's absolutely not easy, and I always want to make sure to portray that it's not just like
1: cupcakes and rainbows I did it, you can do, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. like it it was it's very surprising how how difficult it was because in when you when I sit down in therapy and like I talk to my therapist and like, this is the plan, okay, you're gonna you're gonna do this and this and this step, one, two, three, four, five. I'm like, ah, oh, that I can manage that. And then when you actually get to doing these things, actually getting into those conversations with people, you realize how difficult it is. And I think that I was grounded in the fact that I was being a mother meant so much to me. I feel like a broken record. But being a mother was so important to me. Being a good mother, mm. a good mother to my children meant so much to me that I overcame.
0: Yeah, that that's a quote right there. That's powerful because I feel like that's a lot of my listeners and their story as well because they're driven to listen to this episode by that statement alone, right? And that is what makes the overcoming possible. That is what makes the hard worth it. That is what makes us get up every single day like we will tomorrow and we did today. Because being a good parent means that much to us. And I feel like that's what unites so many of us and uh, is so powerful because our kids can feel that, right? Even if, circumstantially, we can mess up, we can make lots of mistakes. (laughs)
1: There's so much into that, right? The parenting yeah. that 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 transfers to our children without us being even like consciously doing things, right? And yeah. Like, but I can take I can't take control of the things that I unconsciously bestow them with, but I can on things that I can I can consciously take control of, and like that's my wellness and my state of mind and my state of being spills onto them, and so what what that is, what I am means so much more Yes, than just wellness for myself. Yes. Yeah. I mean,
0: you can, you can go for a walk all day, but that's not what's going to be the thing that makes or breaks, you know, your kids experience of you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So dive into early motherhood. Did it pan out as expected? Did you have any preconceived notions of what you would be like or, you know, motherhood would be like in those first few years? And then what was the reality?
1: I was the, I was absolutely that person who did the, um, I would never do that. My kids would <laughs> never do that. Like, oh, you know, like, oh, that's never going to be our story. And like, watch my kids come and never, like they never, ever had before. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think my experience of motherhood, I I was that mom that thought I knew how I was going to do things. And like this mold in my head, like, oh, if I do these things, if I I read all the books I watched all the documentaries. I watched all the movies, and like I, I know exactly what I'm gonna do. And the kid comes out, and it's a shocker. Like, <laughs> no, you can't make. I can't make her stop what she's doing. Like, this is not. This is not what's supposed to happen. She's supposed to stop when I say stop. Yes. But for me, it was, for me, it was very exciting. Like watching your children grow and blossom. Like it's just even when they are when they are being cheeky and mischievous like it's it's a development that it's so novel to experience and enjoy and it's been humbling definitely humbling i am no longer their mother <laughs> i have no judge i have no judgment for anyone before i know not what goes on with them right yes i'm more i'm a lot more empathetic and compassionate because i see what my children need and my my first i had two children so my first child came out like perfect <laughs> i say this like i say perfect in the sense that i mean that how i had expected it yeah she was she was very she was very easy she ate everything slept slept according to her sleep schedule that i had planned and like i was like i'm doing this like look at me look at me go and then i have my second child who was a complete opposite <laughs> who wouldn't eat who wouldn't latch she wouldn't latch on we couldn't breastfeed she wouldn't. Um, she wouldn't take the bottle. Then she wouldn't take the baby food. Then she wouldn't sleep, and she was constantly ir- irritated and like uncomfortable. So I think with that was a reckoning. That kind of brought me, brought me to my humble place, and I, I understood how difficult it could be. But still, that joy of parenting does not like does not change. I think I, I realized that that I understood what it meant to love your child. like it wasn't it wasn't something that you thought that like you you have this child, and you're going to love this child, and like you don't you don't know what that looks like until you actually experience it. And I think like and then I realized that giving my children both what they needed was not the same things. and I, I learned very quickly how being fair was not giving equal things but giving them exactly what they needed and it that was the journey learning what each of them being separate different different individuals themselves yeah so that was that was that was scary challenging but also exciting at the same time yeah because you have two daughters and how far apart in age are they two years 20 months apart 20 20, months almost two years apart yeah okay
0: yeah because I have two daughters that are 15 months apart and they're just a little bit older than yours, I think, by by a year or two. Yeah. So, what was the journey about, like, of finding what works for your second, like, because that is, you know, what I do professionally. It's work with families with that the kiddo that won't do any of the typical things. So,
1: what was that journey like? I think that was that simple answer for me is dropping expectations dropping all expectations of what I think a child needs or what I thought a child needed or what I thought that she would need and really getting in there and understanding what exactly she needs and she requires. And I think once I started satisfying those needs, it became very natural. Like the other things fell into place. Behavior and her developmental milestones and all these things fell into place when I understood her better.
0: Yes. Yes. Oh, that is everything. I mean, you could pay thousands of dollars to realize that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that alone is is such a big mindset piece. And that's what I feel like is the most underrated part of parenting is it's not it's so much more than strategies and discipline. Yes. Right. It's like that bigger umbrella of knowing and understanding and becoming kind of a student of your child and saying, like, teach me who you are and what you need, please.
1: Yes. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Oh, so powerful. Okay. So then go ahead into what led you to write your book? Give us more understanding of kind of your personal journey over those next few years.
1: So let me, let me give you a little bit about what the book is about. Yeah. So it's called Enough. It's called Enough, A Memoir of Mistakes, Mania, and Motherhood. And it is a story of hope, first of all and a story for those who are trying to better understand the realities of PTSD and bipolar disorder um, and what it takes to put one foot in front of the other towards a fulfilling life. So with that said, motherhood is a portion of it, which is a big portion of my sense of identity and sense of self. I think I found my power in motherhood It wasn't a rebuilding, a rebirth, reawakening, or whatever that um, sometimes people talk about when you try and seek sense of self. It was really tapping into my inner power. And my children made me realize that it had been there all the while, that I just didn't know how to reach it. And so this book is dedicated to my children because of the reason I wrote the book was for them. It's a very, it's a heavy topic. It's a difficult topic to talk about sexual trauma and mental illness. But it is also a topic that's highly stigmatized and a lot of fear, shame, and guilt that comes with it. And I wanted, I wanted to be part of conversations, be part of the world that changes that narrative, that creates a world that's better prepared for my children. And so that was, that was my um, inspiration to write the book and it was for them. Do you spend any time
0: thinking about, you know, the future of the world 10 years from now when your girls are teenagers and what that's going to be like?
1: All the time. And I always I always say this, the world is not prepared for the magnificence of my daughters. Mm. And so I feel like there's a lot of work that needs to be done, and I want to be part of that work.
0: I love that. You just blew my mind. Oh, yes. And I mean, it's it's all about like just turning that on a dime a little bit about our fears for the future. They're, they're thinking about their experience of the world and thinking about what people they'll meet and where they'll be and, and what they'll think of themselves and all of those things. We want to try to prepare them, but not thinking about how can we prepare the world for them. Yeah. That's so good.
1: I think you have to be the change you want to see in the world, right?
0: Yeah. So big emotions from little people are running the show at your house. Is that right? Do they fall apart when something doesn't go their way? Ugh, just once. Why can't they accept the fact that the answer is no, am I right? The struggle is real. You're not alone, and you're in the right place. When your days are filled with relentless pushback, it is so hard to feel like a good parent, especially when your in-laws aren't shy in sharing how they think your kids just need a good spanking. Every time you lose it when they lose it, you feel like a failure. The worst part is, without addressing the root of your child's behavior, you're doomed to play a fruitless game of whack-a-mole, reacting rather than preventing the next conflict. And next time, nothing's going to go differently. The good news is, when you have a handful of effective discipline tools in your pocket, you're able to step into full confidence as their parent, and parenting actually becomes a whole lot easier. I promise, you're not failing them. You just need more tools. So if you have a tiny human who's full of love and yet so, so difficult, if you can only be so nice for so long, if you've tried everything and still feel defeated on the daily, my free class, Authentic and Unapologetic, is for you. In this free training, I share five huge misconceptions in parenting strong kids that inadvertently invite defiance, four mistaken goals they're using their behavior to meet and what to do about it, how to let judgment roll off your back and truly feel like the parent your kids need, and why what you're currently doing just isn't working and isn't going to anytime soon. So go to parentingwholeheartedly.com slash unapologetic to access this exclusive free training immediately. That's parentingwholeheartedly slash unapologetic. The link will be in the show notes.
1: So how will how will your book contribute to that change? I think it's sh- shedding the, the shame and fear behind the stigma of uh, mental illness and sexual trauma. And I think being able to tell our stories, I think the more of us talk about our stories and tell about our realities, because when I was writing, I read a lot of books. I read a lot of books that talked about the same topics and I realized how I felt. I felt seen. I felt like I existed in the world that I belonged somewhere in a place, in a time in my life where I felt very lost And so I wanted to impart that onto others who are going through the same experiences as I have to feel less alone, to feel seen and feel like they belong. And for those who are supporting them to be able to understand the realities of these conditions and be able to be effective support systems.
0: So important. So important. And like in a day to day experience of this. Right. Like, what does this look like on a on a day to day basis? One of the things you mentioned to me was the struggle with comparison and, you know, the extracurricular activities that other families were participating in that you decided not that weren't a good fit for your family. Dive into that example and like what your thought process was behind that.
1: Being a mom is so easy so easy to fall into that rut of like look at what everyone else is doing like this that is what look at that mom taking a kid to piano dance ballet tap soccer baseball Chess. whatever and doing all yeah. <laughs> doing all the things look at that mom like that's that's a good mom a mom that's like running around the mom that's busy i think we we place so much value on being busy as a form of um, a measure of productivity, a measure of value of worth, somebody whose disease worth more. And I think like comparing myself to those mothers stunted my motherhood. Because like we said, learning and understanding what our children need, I think be, being able to, to dive into that, tap into that and giving them what they need you will find that it looks very different from what everyone else is doing because everyone else is doing the best they can for, the, for their kids. So maybe that mom who's busy all the time, maybe that's what their kids need. But understanding that that's not, my, that's not my story and that's not my journey and I need to pave my own way, we kind of eased off on the extracurricular activities and then zoned in on the ones that they really wanted to do, things that really brought joy to them. And that's teaching a lesson too. I'm going to do things in my life that brings joy to my life, brings value to my life. And those are the things that I do. So that's teaching my children. Now pick the things that brings joy to your life. If it truly brings joy to you, then that's that's what we'll do. And then being able to pick those. And then I I pare down so much that like it's manageable and I get I get more rest and I'm more functional. I'm more I'm a more available parent because I'm not stressed out about getting from one place to the next or preparing for the next thing. Because attending these extracurricular activities is not just attending. You have all those, like preparing the snacks and the whatever, whenever they get together and all those things, it adds up. So I think like once I learned to listen to my children and then this whole thing just opened up, we're happier. We're more relaxed. I'm more relaxed I'm I'm more available and I'm more um, attentive because I'm not tired all the time. So I think that changed my, my way of parenting in that sense. Yeah. And, compare, and I stopped comparing myself to these other moms because I realized that my story is mine and theirs is theirs. Whatever they're doing is the best for their their family. Every That's what everyone is doing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. We're all doing what's best with our family, but the sooner we realize that we don't have to like match up to each other, I think life becomes a lot easier. It does. It does.
0: Yeah. And there is a lot of ups and downs to that roller coaster or a reckoning of, of the thoughts that lead us there or the situations we find ourselves in. But I think we all arrive in one way or another. And, you know, sometimes it takes a different amount of time. But it's it's a necessary step, I think, in kind of becoming confident in the parent that you are and seeing yourself in like the identity of what you have. And How would you say your relationship is with your motherhood, with your intuition? Is it easy for you to tap into and listen to? Or do you have any guilt that comes up for you when you realize that you need to prioritize your own needs
1: as a parent? I think I used to. I used to have trouble with it a lot in the younger days. I beat myself up a lot, like because I forced myself to do things because I think that that's what needs to be done because that's what everybody else is doing. And I think once I started listening to myself, and I talk about this in the book, learning to parent from intuition became something that was so cathartic, something that's a release that you really understand where you stand in your family. And like that, that, that is the whole point of parenting, isn't it? Being this unit that is happy, is healthy, is joyful, is full of the things that we need and the things that we seek for each other and with each other. What does authenticity mean to you? Authenticity, yes, I think it's listening to your inner voice and being yourself and being the like if you're talking about motherhood being the mother that you you need to be for your child. I don't think that there is a recipe for this is what our uh, model figure that says like this is what a good mother looks like. It's a That's a good mother for that child. And for me, this is what it looks like. And I think that that's, I, I keep coming back to comparison, but we do too much of it. We do so much of this comparison what everyone else is doing. And I think I learned to listen to my intuition more. Our family looks the way it does because of my intuition and what I think is best for our family. I mean, me and my, fam- me and my husband work-, work together. But I think we are more intu- I'm more in tune with my intuition now than I was when the kids were younger. And I think they came with years of learning, um, of things backfiring when I didn't listen to my intuition.
0: Yeah, because it can be a journey of realizing what not to do a little bit. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that's, and that's, again, kind of one of those ambiguous things where we didn't know to prepare for that or know what to expect with Mother, because it feels like, you know, you follow the books, things go pretty yeah. <laughs> A plus B equals C. And then, no, oh, that's not actually how any of it goes. <laughs> so today, What does it look like for you to manage uh, motherhood and your bipolar and, you know, on a daily basis, what does that look like now after, you know,
1: years of growth? I think I've learned to put myself first with my children in mind. I have to be, I have to be well first in order to be the mother that I need to be for them. I think I'm being a little bit more selfish, like saying no to things, um, setting boundaries and understanding my limitations and honoring them. I think that's a big part of um, who I am today. And I think that's that's in a nutshell, I guess, like how I put myself first in order to be well for my children. Mm-hmm. And it's it's possible. It's manageable. I think like when they told me that I couldn't be a mother, it was not a holistic view of things, of how it's possible. And I think a lot of people misunderstand and mistake that too. I think it's possible with the right treatment plan, with the right self-care plan, with the right support system, and all these things put together. It's a lot of work, but it is possible. And I'm doing it. And I think I look at my children and they're happy. And they're thriving at school. They're thriving in their social circles. They're thriving in their um, in, in their family life and things like that. And I, that's a good, litmus test i guess that my mothering is going good parenting is going good the kids are kids are happy and kids are thriving and so i think like giving yourself grace i have been able to give myself grace when i failed and that it's okay i don't think that like true failure is something that we experience all the time although it feels that way a lot it's a setback like oops that didn't work. Like, and and I think that's the process. It's a process. We are constantly growing, constantly evolving, as as a person, as a human being, as myself. I'm evolving, and as a mother, I'm evolving too. As as a result of that, and I think like just being able to be okay with this ever changing plane, and being excited and and accepting of the changes, it allows me to be a good mother. Ah. Uh. Yes, I
0: can. We can just tell already, just just by those words, how phenomenal of a parent you are. That it's so so inspiring. And so specifically, would you speak to a listener who was where you were five years ago? Maybe they have just now kind of reckoned with discovering their mental health diagnosis and they're knowing what they need to do to be successful with balancing all of their needs with their kids' needs, but. They don't feel like they can do it because it feels hard or it feels selfish or they feel guilty or they just feel like there's a cloud of heaviness over the whole thing because it's not how they wanted things to be. What would you say to them?
1: Mental illness is often not looked at as important as physical illness. If you broke your hip, broke your leg and couldn't walk, Does that make you a bad mother? Because you can't tend to your children's needs and whatever. You would have first rest and heal, right? So same thing. I think if you have a mental illness, take care of it first. Take care of of you in order for you to be healed enough to be there for them. And it's hard. Yes. I'm not going to say it's easy. Like, oh, I'm just going to sit up. I'm just going to get people say that, like, get out of bed, like get out of bed and go take a shower or go take a walk. And like, it sounds easy. I understand that when you have a mental illness, you have depression or, or when I'm a hypomanic, it's not something that's very easily achievable. But I think what I have used is setting limited expectations of myself. Today, I'm going to do this one thing. Today, I'm going to make lunches for my kids and then go back to bed. Or today, I'm going to kiss my children and tuck them into bed, and that's all I'm going to do today. My husband can take care of the rest. Understanding your limitations and then honoring them and being okay with that until you feel better, because nothing lasts forever. It all passes. All of this passes in time. And the quicker we accept and let go of these expectations, I think the quicker we heal, the closer we get to healing. And that has been what has helped me through the years.
0: Yeah, so powerful. Expectations of ourselves, the expectations of what motherhood is supposed to look like, expectations of our kids. I mean, that you can run with that in a million places. But yes, it's so important because then and only then do we have the space to process through and take next steps and, you know, ask for help and all the things. Thank you for sharing.
1: Absolutely. It's possible. It's definitely possible. I I, I am living proof, I guess, that it it is possible. It's not always perfect. And it's not, I'm, I'm not saying that it's going to be perfect and I have the formula and the recipe, but I think like I am thriving a lot further along than I was 12 years ago since I was diagnosed. I'm much further along now. It gets better. Um the more we understand it, the more we have a, a lot of grace for ourselves. I say I say that with so much passion that we need to have grace for ourselves. Whether we have a mental illness or not, I think mothers need to have grace for ourselves because we put a lot into this. We have this is really serious business. Like mothering is the one thing that like we want to get right. Yes. But but we need we need to give ourselves grace sometimes because we are only human yes and that's
0: that's the the path forward to becoming an even better parent is that grace it doesn't it doesn't give us excuses to you know slip and slide into terrible momville <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's the opposite yeah even though as as unorthodox or un, uncomfortable as it feels yeah so any other last thoughts of of advice that you would love to share since you have the, the platform?
1: I think like we need to, like I'm speaking on this platform. I thank you for that, for holding space for me for that, by the way. I think I want people to know that we need to move the needle. We need to normalize mental health and mental health doesn't just mean breathing at the right time and taking a walk at the right time. I think people who have mental illnesses and actual one in five Americans have a mental illness. That's a big number. One in five people, you know, have mental illness. That's a big number. And like a lot of us suffer in silence or like not diagnosed with anything and like don't get the help that we need. We need to self-advocate. We need to get ourselves better, work for ourselves, because when we start to heal, then we can start to grow. And so I think that that's and that's so achievable for everybody. Everyone can tap into that and like get into the space of healing if they need it. And it's there are resources there, there support systems and everything that are available to us. Reach out, don't be don't be afraid to reach out. And no one knows what to give you if you don't know what what you need.
0: Yep, so true. And what would you say to a mom who says like, "Well, everybody else is busy." Everyone else has their own families. I don't have, you know, family in town, so I'm on my own.
1: Oh, I love that one. I love that you said that. Stop the assumptions, mind reading. Stop mind reading what people are doing. Like you can ask and they can say no. They know how to set boundaries too. Like people people set their own boundaries and allow, give them the opportunity to say no. Yes, oh, I love
0: that. That is like the homework assignment. <laughs> From this episode, give them the opportunity to say, no, don't make assumptions. Don't go ahead and, and, and put that limitation on the, the joy that they might get from being able to come around you and support you.
1: Yes, absolutely. So
0: important. Oh, okay. This is so good.
1: And, And I think like, if you feel, if you feel indebted, like you are, you are in a rut for this specific period of time. Now, we cannot specify how long because it can be from a few days to like a few months. I don't know. It goes differently for everybody. Right. But it is a limited amount of time. It's not forever. When you do feel better and go ahead and do something nice for that person. When you feel better, like go ahead and say, like, I'm just thinking of you and here's a bouquet of flowers or I was thinking of you and I thought you were so sweet to me. Here are some sweets and chocolates, like whatever or a card or send a card and say thank you. Like what whatever it is that there's always a time and place for it. There's a right time for everything. And this is your time. If you need something at this time, then this is your time. Someone else might have a different space of time that they'll need you. Then hopefully when they do need you, this specific person needs you, then maybe you're available. Hopefully you're feeling better. Or if you're not, it's still okay. But You don't have to feel indebted to people who offer to help or who agree to help because they're doing it out of their decision that they are making.
0: Oh, it's so good. I feel like
1: we all need, like everyone
0: needs to hear that over and over. I think on, on repeat, you know, every couple of months, we need that reminder because, yeah, even just remembering, you will feel better. You will be in a different place. You will have more of a budget or more of the time in another season in the future right now does not last forever. Even just that reminder alone. Yes. I'm so glad that came up. Oh, so good. Okay. Was there anything else? No, I'm good. Thank you. Okay. (laughs) So tell me a little bit more about your book as in how can listeners connect with it? How can they find it? What can they expect?
1: So the book is available everywhere books are sold. Um your local indie bookstore hopefully carries it. Um Amazon. Oh I'm thinking of chapters in Indigo in Canada. Yeah. Anywhere books are sold. indie indie books, sorry, indie bound or indie books. Those are good places to get your books. And um connect with me on ameliazachary.com dot com and I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Brown Girl Crazy World. I love that yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> So the last question I ask every guest that comes on to sum up uh, our conversation is, how are you the parent that your daughters need?
1: I am the parent that my daughters need because I'm listening to them and I'm growing with them and I am attuned to their needs and wants and their joys and sadness and difficult, uh, difficult challenges that they're going through. And I think that makes me a good mother. A
0: phenomenal mother. Yes, they are lucky to have you. So, so lucky to have you doing the work that you did to prepare for them, the work that you are doing continually to grow and heal and give them your best self when possible. And now that you're able to turn around and share the goodness with others uh, so that you can prepare the world for the magnificence that is them in the years to come. So, so grateful. So needed. Thank you so much for being able to grace us with your presence and take the time to share your wisdom. I really feel like this one is going to have a couple, (laughs) couple mind blown moments of (laughs) things that we will not see again. We will not see the same thing again in the future because of this, uh, listening to this conversation. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Failing Motherhood. Your kids are so lucky to have you. If you loved this episode, take a screenshot right now and share it in your Instagram stories and tag me. If you're loving the podcast, be sure that you've subscribed and leave a review so we can help more moms know they are not alone if they feel like they're failing motherhood on a daily basis. And if you're ready to transform your relationship with your strong-willed child and invest in the support you need to make it happen, schedule your free consultation using the link in the show notes. I can't wait to meet you. Thanks for coming on this journey with me. I believe in you and I'm cheering you on.